Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 186 of Yoga Land. Okay, so today, for today's episode, we are going to talk about getting paid for doing what you do for teaching yoga online. And what I'm noticing bouncing around the internet right now is sort of two different camps. One camp is, of course, you should charge. If you don't charge for your yoga classes, you're devaluing yoga and it could really become a domino effect that if there's free classes right next to, you know, $15 classes, people are going to choose the free classes and then no one's going to get paid. So that's one school of thought. The other school of thought seems to be, this is a really difficult time. If anything, now is the time when we should be offering yoga to people who need it. And a lot of people are out of work and... What about those people? How can we support them? Yeah. This is so difficult. It's such a difficult, you know, you know, we're going to take flack either way, right? Yeah. Well, I don't, which is okay. We're not here to make a decision or a judgment for anyone else. Yeah. I think what we can do is we can talk through the options. Yeah. And there are many options that I think are of benefit to people who need to earn their living and feed their children. Yeah. And people who are in need of some extra support, right? Totally. And I don't think we've ever shied away from opinions, right? But I think the biggest thing that we can actually help people with is to stop black and white thinking, Mm -hmm. is that it's one thing or another thing, is that it should be this way or should be that way, right? So I am in a situation, we are in a situation where because I earn on Yoga Glow content, Mm -hmm. that continues to float us Mm -hmm. as a family. And that gives us the ability to also provide free content like this, right? Right. Like this. So it's kind of one of these things of like, in order to give something away, you have to have enough resources on your own that you can, that you're not in survival mode. Right. right? So I think I am not at all concerned about devaluing yoga. And the reason that I'm not concerned about it is because different people find value in different things. And so, for example, I don't want to like, this is not a paid sponsorship, right? But like, I don't want to direct people towards Yoga Glow or whatever it is specifically. But one of the things that people are paying for when they go to a paid service is the tech. It's the curation. It's the organization. It's the availability of a lot of different things, right? So we use Spotify, right? And we pay for Spotify services because it's really well organized, It's really smooth. The tech works on all sorts of different devices. So in some ways, we're not just paying for the music. We're paying for the organization and the convenience. Right. Right. I can go to YouTube. Any record that I want to listen to, I can find it on YouTube. But it's a pain. Mm. Right. So kind of getting back to the yoga landscape. I'm not afraid that we are going to devalue yoga for another reason is there's already hundreds of thousands of hours of yoga that is free, that is on YouTube. And a lot of it's actually really good, Uh right? So in some ways, that ship has already sailed. Like to me, that's not a relative, it's not a concern of mine, right? More of what of this concern of mine is, A, do people have access to quality yoga, especially Mm -hmm. when financial times are tough? And B, are yoga teachers still able to earn a living and and provide, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not 
I'm just, there's no part of my brain that gets wrapped into the concept of value versus devalue online. To me, that, that just logically, that ship is, that left the harbor years ago. Mm -hmm. For me, the question is, are the teachers that are teaching at the local yoga studios, are the local yoga studios themselves able to survive this storm? And so I would say, I would flip that question and say, it would be my preference that teachers can still make a living. Sure. And the only way teachers can make a living is if they have honest, direct communication and if they price things where they can still earn. We were talking about love story, right? Or I think about all the studios that I work for. All the studios that I work for provide me with a livelihood. They provide me with a place to earn a paycheck. And so it's in my best interest that all of these places survive, that they stay alive. Right. Right. And so all of these places, they have such strong fixed costs. Like our mortgage didn't go away. Our food prices didn't go away. The yoga studio's mortgage isn't going away. The rent isn't going away. The utilities aren't going away. So in just practical reality, we have to be charging something for the majority of our content, even right now, if it's to break even. Right. Right. What about students who feel, well, what about teachers? I mean, who feel like a little bit guilty charging the same price? Like, let's say, sure, they teach through their studio and they get paid whatever the studio decides at this point. But let's say they also are deciding they're going to do a few live streams a week on their own. And they feel sort of guilty charging the same amount because it's online, it's shorter, it's not the the whole in-room experience. I think a couple things. One, it's still a complete yoga practice. So for me, I still have to develop it. I still have to relate. I'm still leveraging the skills that I've developed for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't require any less time on my part. It doesn't require any less expertise. It doesn't take any less investment or development on my side of the equation, mm -hmm. although it is kind of awesome doing it from home. So I can see a rationale for maintaining the same price. I can also see a rationale for a slightly reduced price. So, but I don't think it's guilt. I think it's just, for me, it's just a practical issue. It's like, what can you sell the class to? What can people afford? And what is still going to keep your lights on? Mm -hmm. You know? So slightly reducing the cost, I find is pretty common, right? So let's say a drop-in class is $19. Mm -hmm. Those drop-in Zoom classes might be $15. They might be $14. So it might be two-thirds or three-quarters of the price. Mm -hmm. And I don't, for me personally, I don't, I hope that isn't to assuage guilt. I hope it is to be a team player knowing that kind of everyone is having a harder time. But, mm -hmm. but, if, but if it's priced too low, again, the devaluing it, that just doesn't enter into my worldview. But if it's priced too low, then it just isn't going to generate enough revenue that the studio is still there in three months, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, or that, you know, that the teachers that don't have some other financial setup, this is their job, Yeah, you know? I mean, I think it's, you know, important to note that there are just small studios around the country, probably around the world that already have closed, you know, for, yeah, have for sure. shut their doors and it's really sad. So there are teachers who are having to make these decisions like 
oh my gosh, I have nothing coming totally. in at this point. And totally. I'm going to teach on my own. And I think that stepping into that with confidence can be really hard right now. You don't have your studio anymore. You don't have your online. Everything's so different. One of the questions that I also noticed that was out there is with services like Glow or Yoga International that are so professional and professionally yeah. shot, is anybody going to pay for my class? Yes. Is anybody going to come to my class? Yes. And I agree with you like 100%. Yeah. I saw yeah. that and I just yeah. was like, I want to say totally. people want to learn from people who they know and love. Yes. And if they know you and they love you, they want to stay with you. Yes. So I, I have some data points on this, which I think is pretty interesting, right? I have been teaching on Glow for seven and a half years. Over the course of that seven and a half years, that has not decreased my in-studio participation. Mm -hmm. That has increased my in-studio participation. Right. The majority of the students that I have locally in San Francisco, I, some people don't know that I still teach public classes, right? But I teach three cl public classes a week. The majority of the students that are my in-class students who also do Yoga Glow, do Yoga Glow as a supplement to their in-class experience. So it's, it's usually not a one-to-one -one thing. So people that practice online usually continue to also practice at the studio. Mm -hmm. They're not, it's not one or the other. It's a, it's a supplemental thing. Access to the digital learning hasn't, just anecdotally in my experience, pulled people out of the yoga room it has given them secondary support on days that they can't make it to the yoga room. I think the other thing is, you know, just for me personally, this is just anecdotal. My Zoom classes that I'm doing for Love Story are bigger than my normal drop-in classes are. And it's been three weeks of this so far, hmm. right? They're, so it's, it's bigger because there are more people who, and this phase, there are more people in this phase that still, how do I phrase it? You know, we do our best to not take things for granted. But right now, people are really not taking their yoga teacher for granted. Right. And their peers, yeah. right? And maintaining normalcy. So I, am, I, I would assume that all of the subscription services are doing really well now. Mm -hmm. But so are the Zoom classes. Sure. Right? So the point I'm trying to get at is that the main people that you are going to teach online are the people that you were teaching in, in class, mm -hmm. right? You talk about, and you're going to talk more at some other point about the importance of a newsletter to make sure you're staying in direct contact with people, right? Yeah. But I think this is a situation where the people that take class with, with my friend and student, Jack Workman, they still want to take class with Jack. They don't want to like trade out Jack's class for no, a, you, a random yoga globe class. Want, especially right now, like you said, trying to maintain normalcy. You want to stay with like the person you know, the thing you know, the pace you know. You want that comfort. Yeah. I mean, yoga teachers, I think, I just want to say, I mean, I'm not a yoga teacher and I just want to make the message clear. Like what you're doing is important and and incredibly helpful and supportive yeah. to people right now. So that's something to just, I don't know, take with you as you go into this strange new land. Yeah. And I don't think it's, look, like you and I, we, we, live, in this, we live in San Francisco. It's a super DIY liberal place. But I think local communities, 
people right now are seeing how important their local community is because it's been pulled away from them, right? Mm -hmm. So you look at like what we are really wanting to support. We think of like our coffee place, Pinhole Coffee, yeah, right? Like we want to go to Pinhole. We want to go to the various places around us. I want to go to my barber so bad. Like I would pay so much money right now to my barber, right? Mm -hmm. Because I want my hair cut. I want to go to a trusted source and I want that person to be well. Yeah, exactly. You know, so this is like, now how long is this going to last? I don't know. In four months, if this is still happening this way, are people going to start to tire on the Zoom classes with their favorite teacher and they're going to want something less expensive because these things are dragging up? I don't know. Yeah, we can't predict the future like but, that. No, but I think in the short term, and one of the things I've been asking my people in teacher trainings who are having conversations saying, look, let your students know. Let if, especially if you are charging. This is where I think that we have like such an honest, simple answer. We communicate to our students and we say, look, I, this is my livelihood. I'm going to teach, keep teaching these classes. I'm slightly reducing the rates. I can't reduce them any further because this is actually my job. <laughs> this is something that people forget. Sometimes people forget this is actually our job. Yeah. And if we don't get paid for our job, we are actually unemployed. Yep. Okay. So this is what I'm going to charge. And hey, if you are in a situation right now where you lost your job and you can't afford these classes, please reach out to me and we'll see if we can work something out. Yeah. And I have done this like, I can't tell you or everyone the number of people over the years that I just like come to my class for free mm -hmm. because they for periods of time for periods days. of time. Yeah. So do I charge for classes? Yes. Are there all sorts of case scenarios where I'm going to step back and take it on an individual basis? Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's where we have to get out of this black and white thinking of like, it's one thing or the other thing. And if we do this, then we're going to do that. It's mm -hmm. We have to have a, a nuanced way of thinking now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Another option that I saw, just to be really tactical, is a studio where I paid for some services, some classes for, through them. And they just, because it's the studio and it's all automated, right? They said, if you're having financial difficulty, use this coupon code and pay, you know, whatever it was, like half the price or it was a very reduced price. And it was like, you know, please keep in mind that we are trying to stay in business right now. So it's like doing it on the honor system, right? Yeah. Like helping people yeah. with a coupon code, which, you know, is automated and, and easy to do. And also doesn't require people who might be feeling uncomfortable to have to like email you and say, you know, this is really, I feel really bad asking this, but can I come to class for free or can I come to class? It's just automated. Yes. So that was kind of, I thought, a really nice option. Yeah. Can I throw in one more thing? Which is, I think, you know, we were talking earlier about this, these kind of conversations on, uh, online, right? About w one way or another way. One of the things to remember is like, if some of the very high profile names, in, not in the yoga world, but in the Instagram yoga world, are providing free content, well, that's okay because they're being compensated by a third party, right? So a lot of times what happens is that people, especially in social media, that are providing free content to consumers are being paid through ad sales or they're, be, they're a paid oh, spokesperson for an apparel company. Is sponsored. Or, or the podcast yeah. is sponsored, right? So 
we don't want to compare like, oh, so-and-so is giving it away free, so I should. Hmm. So-and-so is not giving anything away for free. They're being compensated by a third party to produce the content. And that content is being given away free, right? Or you look at some of the, the bigger YouTube accounts. The YouTube is free, but is the person with a, a million followers that is teaching being compensated? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work to get to a million followers. So. Big time, yeah. right? <laughs> The reason that I'm bringing this up is that there's still going to be some financial transaction, mm-hmm. right? So what the reason I'm trying to bring this up is the guilt part mm. of like, oh, I should give it away because so-and-so is giving away. Ah, so-and-so has a benefactor or so-and-so has an apparel company or so-and-so, you know, th- there's... Right. It, it, it sort of circles it back to like, you have to look at your life and look at who you're supporting, including yourself and decide what is the right thing for you yeah. to do yeah. and move forward and do your best. Yeah. And the other thing to say is that, you know, pricing is a very fluid thing. It changes. And so you are allowed to make changes totally. if things are not working for you or for your students. This is a huge experiment we're in right now. Yeah. So we're going to have to all be flexible. No I, pun intended. I know that there was one one more kind of layer to this. Mm-hmm. Was there another component that you... I just was wondering if someone asked you about that specifically, because I don't... I think briefly, like really briefly, and we're going to have this conversation in another one, is we had the brick and mortar studios. Mm-hmm. God willing, they will still exist. But they're on pause. So right now we have the brick and mortar, stu- mortar studios are going to live content, right? To digital content, to live stream, mostly. But then there's going to be some phase in, right? At some point where, hey, when the brick and mortar studios open back up, do the brick and mortar studios do some combined business where they now see like, oh, I can live stream some of our classes and does the brick and mortar studio become a hybrid studio? Mm -hmm. And all I'm going to say is, I think that one gets really complicated because the brick and mortar studios and the local teachers, and I'm a local teacher, I travel too, but when I'm local, I teach locally. The brick and mortar studios and the local teachers, they are mostly going to sell their digital content to the people that come to class. But once that class opens up, right? Once those studios open up, then in order for me to actually carry on doing digital things, I need a bigger base to draw from. Oh yeah, that's right? true. And that becomes really difficult to scale. Like it's one thing to sell Zoom classes to your local students because your local students can't come to class. Right. But then if your local students can come to class, but you want some sort of hybrid situation, well, now you actually need a bigger pool. You need to start to sell to people that were never coming to class because they live in Minnesota and Michigan and they live here. And then in that situation, you're looking at a totally different business model that I think is harder to scale. Mm -hmm. So kind of the bottom line, I just wanted to address that because some studio owners have reached out and like, When this is over, what do you think? Like, do you think this is going to be a combined model? 
I'm not in the forecast game, but I think combining it is is harder to build. Than you might be, might imagine, I guess. And it's going to co- take a lot of technological investment. Right. So when someone can come to class or come to a Zoom class that may or may not work, you also have all the privacy issues. If you're filming the Zoom class in a brick and mortar studio with other people in it, you have legal issues, right. you have privacy issues. So I think right now we can just, we can just think about the situation right now. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Jason. Yep. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time.